85% of all CBD companies that aren't in Puerto Rico will fail. That's my prediction. We're going to take a look at an article from the Marijuana Venture and take a look at why Puerto Rico is an island of opportunity. Coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. You guys remember that you can't have taxation without representation? Well, Puerto Rico doesn't have any representation. They don't have congressional representation, so they don't pay federal taxes. They also can't vote federal elections. So that makes Puerto Rico literally the only place in the world an American can go and not pay federal taxes. Anywhere else in the world you have, if you work in another country, you have foreign uh, income exclusion at $140,000. Anything more than that, you pay the federal government, except in Puerto Rico. That's why you see a lot of Bitcoin people going down there and operating is because you don't have to pay any taxes on anything, uh, investment, crypto, uh, or cannabis related. So that's why I think, in my opinion, if you're a CBD company and you don't really have anything to differentiate you from somebody else, the only way you can make uh, survive, in my opinion, um, you'll make at least 26% more just by operating out of Puerto Rico than somebody doing the same exact thing in California, uh, which makes it very, very difficult to, um, to compete in that kind of environment. So uh, for that reasons, we're going to take a look at why Puerto Rico is an island of opportunity. I was in Puerto Rico in 2018 for um, just a day, actually. I was on a cruise and so I had two appointments back to back for about six hours and got to see none of Puerto Rico, uh, but the meetings went really well. And I'm looking to uh, move there for six months out of the year to qualify for Act 60 um, to get down there, get out of the Seattle winter, get down to the Caribbean uh, and utilize some of these uh, tax advantages and frankly, just find some place else to move to for a while. Um, they had a thriving medical program when I was down there. Um, and so that was kind of nice. Uh, there was a, a, a dispensary right by the cruise ship, as a matter of fact. So apparently, uh, this is providing the island 3.2 million citizens uh, with some ways to manage their health and wellness. So five years after legalization, looks like they've got some um, opportunities in there to get uh, more medical access across the island. Um, trying to become a, a leader in the area. A lot of people go to Jamaica and those are folks who've never heard of, of Act 60. And so anyone going to Jamaica is a massive red flag to me because they're going for this, this Rastafarian culture uh, rather than um, looking at the money behind it. They literally aren't going to have enough money to survive. So anyone who's gone to Jamaica over Puerto Rico, massive red flag in my book that they are not going to survive. So you're starting to see a lot more dispensaries pop up. If you follow the, the government expectation, there's going to be half a million certified patients in five years and um, expecting to have to um, start to have a lot more dispensaries in order to keep up with that. Looks like the number of dispensaries they're going to have uh, as of last year exceeded 200, but the number of doctors plummeted. So I'm not sure if they took off as a result of, of COVID and had to leave, but it looks like the substantially reduced the number of doctors over there. We've got 120 active, uh, 120,000 active patients and 216 dispensaries. They've got their own educational platform, um, Department of Health issuing 280,000 patient licenses 
indicating that um, the renewals have decreased over the past. Maybe they're they're getting it from somebody else. It's cheaper. Those, those some of those licenses are not not cheap. Of course, it looks like they're growing more than they're consuming. They thought there'd be more tourism. COVID's hit with that, um, and they always overproduce more and, and over expect and anticipate because that's how they get the investment. They basically just lie to people, and those investors have no idea what's going on. It looks like they've kind of created an unintentional vertically integrated um, monster. Uh, where people just kind of started gobbling up all of the licenses simultaneously. So they're looking at maybe some bigger businesses getting into the industry, trying to lower costs and decrease margins and create competition. That could obviously harm some smaller businesses. So um, there's that give and take of trying to get somebody to establish it while, while not monopolizing and um, controlling the whole market. I was in Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria, six months afterwards, and that's pretty much when that boom started going. So that 27 hurricane uh, was one of the worst natural disasters in history. And then the number of patients who got certified after that was was pretty crazy. So a lot of people were struggling with anxiety and depression, um, maybe a lot of pain, whatever, PTSD. So a lot of people just said, you know, forget it, I'm going to go and get some cannabis so at the same time, you saw a lot more doctors seeing the efficacy around it and not really caring to, to deny it anymore. So a lot of people got on board and off to the races. So out of the 286 licenses, it looks like only about 120,000 or 40% are active. So um, people go out, they try it. Maybe it wasn't right for them. Maybe it was too expensive. Maybe they did like it and they just don't need the license because their neighbor has it. Um, I think I qualify for that reason. Um, you know, I've stated several times that the uh, cost of the licenses don't outweigh the benefits. So getting you know discounts for medical don't pay for the licenses itself. And if you can get it for cheaper, why even go to the store at all? Um, you know, I wasn't doing that until my medical provider left the state. Now I'm going to the stores. So uh, it's it's about about convenience and price. It's how people shop. There's nothing new about that. So they're going to have to come to some realization about taxes and accessibility and affordability. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to happen the way they want it to. But here's one reason why you might want to have one. Apparently, when, uh, having, uh, when having a controlled substance, there's no distinction between cannabis, cocaine, or crack. So that's great. So there's, it's been regulated for five years, but there's a three-year sentence if you possess cannabis without a license. So I'm certainly glad I didn't get caught when I was down there. That would have been terrible. Medical facilities in, in Puerto Rico remind me a little bit of like Peru or Colombia, where the, the, the hospitals and doctors actually know about cannabis and can actually educate you on that instead of me going to the doctors and educating them on the endocannabinoid system. Uh, it seems like it might be the other way around. So that's a big, big difference. Um, I, I think about being in a community, um, especially some places in like Mexico, where it's associated with uh, violence and, and drugs and everything. They have to re-educate them and show them that there is medicinal properties and therapeutic benefits. But it's also fun. So there's opportunities um, where Puerto Rico can kind of um, be on the global stage. They're talking about it could be this tourism and, and be the Vegas of the Caribbean. Um, and it could be a fun place to, to have tourism, two to three million tourists each year. Uh, why not? Uh, on top of that, for businesses, 
uh, if you look, I mean, it's in the Caribbean. So there's beautiful water and, and beaches everywhere. Uh, if you look up Act 60, basically, if you're a service provider and you're selling to people outside of the island and you live and work there, and that's how you generate your revenue, um, then you qualify. Uh, there's other things too. You can have agriculture or tourism. You can do, you know, hemp uh, tourism and uh, hemp uh, agriculture. That's, that used to be called Act 73, Act 74. Um, and there's so many uh, opportunities and benefits, but it's gonna they're gonna be taking that away, and they do a little bit. So I'll, I don't anticipate that. Um, I don't anticipate the rules to remain the same. But as long as they don't have congressional representation, you can't have taxation. And so it will remain uh, the only place in the world that you can go and not pay federal taxes. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.